advising that the city of Spokane Valley issue a proclamation stating that our city is a Second Amendment sanctuary city. Welcome to the fire. Today on Church and State, we'll be joined by Britfield author C.R. Stewart. Hello, Christian patriots, and welcome to Church and State, where we strive to plug you into the pew and plug you into politics. I'm your host, Caleb Collier. With me, as always, Pastor Gabe Blomgren, once again, your favorite far-right shock jocks and the most schizophrenic show you listen to on a daily basis. The only podcast that's daring enough to put faith and politics in the same exact room with Jesus smack dab in the middle. Amen to that. Hey, if you like, uh, you know, some great novels, you, you enjoy a good novel, right? Absolutely. I, I'm excited about this because, you know, you and I grew up reading the Narnia series. It, it was, it was, if, if you were a Christian kid, you knew Narnia. That yeah, was required reading along it, it, with, along with uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Pro- Progress and, and then Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, all that stuff. I yeah. love those books. Uh, but the modern generation is all growing up on Harry Potter. Well, we've got a solution uh, for that. Before I get there, Church and State media go to the website download the show Look, Tuttle twins talk about those guys yeah it's, it's actually perfect i was actually going to go there um but but download this show because this is this is going to be we've got christmas coming it's not too late to order these books and uh, your kids will absolutely love them throw them in the stocking it's a fantastic idea it, uh, talking about literature, the Tuttle Twins is one of the better alternatives to what they're currently doing with the indoctrination systems that is our public schools. Yeah, so my kids read them all the time. They love the cartoon. Go ahead, get the books, and make sure to use that promo code Church and State. You can also donate to us specifically just through the donate button. And last but not least, if you want to get a hold of us, Church and State 1776 at proton.me. All right, I am so excited about this. Gabe, you know I'm a reader. I'm reading constantly, all the time. Readers are leaders, and we got to teach this to our kids. We do. The best way to get them hooked is at a young age. Absolutely. And so um, I'm so pleased to to just bring on uh, C.R. Stewart. He's born in Newport Beach, California, has 20 years of experience in writing fiction, nonfiction, and movie screenplays. He's a prolific writer, produ- uh, producer, creativity specialist, international consultant, and prominent speaker. So that's quite the intro. Um, but C.R., thank you so much for joining us on Church of State. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, and just for the audience's sake, uh, your first name is Chad, and we will be calling you Chad because it sounds funny to say, hey, C, what do you think of this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us, tell the audience a little bit about uh, the Britfield series and, and where you got the idea from. I'll do a quick overview, if that's okay, and then, and then we can pull on any of those threads. But uh, originally from Newport Beach, California, I was back east in Wellesley, Massachusetts for 16 years, did my undergraduate in British literature and European history, and then uh, went on to grad school and then got into investment banking, of all things, and kind of stuck in the corporate world and really was just dying to do something creative and come back to something creative. And I think we all are. We're all born creative and and we thrive in that creative world. And I was sent down to this boring seminar, Providence, Rhode Island, and I think it was insurance and I had to go. And I think it was on the weekend too, like of all things. And I started to drift and I started to doodle and I doodled a simple circle, three lines, a basket, a boy and a girl, and I wrote the boy in the balloon. And for some reasons, 12 years ago, for some reason that idea just resonated with me. And I started to see this whole story come to life uh, for book one, which was Britfield and the Lost Crown. And so I went home that that weekend and on one piece of paper just started to outline the story. You know, I got these ideas rolling in my head. And um, part of it too was I was a British literature major. So I loved, I loved England. I lived in England off and on for about two years. 
And so it starts up in Yorkshire, Northern England. Uh, it's about Tom. He's an orphan, 12 years old. He's been an orphan his whole life. He's been at Weatherly for six years. And this is the year he's going to escape. And I kind of state that within the first couple of pages so you know where the story's going. Eventually he escapes with his best friend, Sarah. Somewhere along the lines, they commandeer a hot air balloon and they start to fly all over England, but they're relentlessly chased by the illustrious detective Gowerstone. And they go from Yorkshire to Oxford to Windsor to London to Canterbury. And um, so I sat down, took me four years, 2,500 hours to write book one. 384 pages. And from concept to launching officially, it took 10 years. We officially launched in August 2019. And so 10 years of hard work, dedication, putting together the business plan, marketing plan, building the team, waiting, frustrated, you know, rejection, you name it, went through all of it, but just had laser sharp, sharp focus. I mean, it's a calling. And um, so we launched in August 2019. Um, since then, it's become a national bestseller. It's uh, one of the most awarded books in children's fiction. It's actually the top 1% of all books ever published within the same time frame. We actually have already outsold the first three James Bond books within the same time frame. Wow. We're on parallel to outsell the Harry Potter series in the next eight to 10 years, which I believe will will do very, um, very robustly. And uh, we kicked off a um, nationwide tour. And uh, so we drove, uh, I drove nine, thousand miles, visited 23 states, over 200 schools, and presented to more than 40,000 students. And I think what's so great about the series, and we can talk about it and dive, dive into it, and it's part of a seven-book series. Book one's in England, present time. Book two is in France. We launched that two years ago. Tom and Sarah are now 13 years old, and that's 474 pages. Last year, we launched Britfield and the Return of the Prince, which is in Italy. And uh, Tom and Sarah are now 14 years old. And so it's a lot of fun to progress in that one year. And as you guys well know with children, from 12 to 13 is like a decade. And then from 13 to 14 is like a decade. Uh, and I'm working on book four now, Eastern Europe and R Russia. Book five will be Asia, book six will be South America. And then book seven will be the United States. Youngest readers, seven, or oldest readers, 93, 55% of our reading audience are adults. And I think what's so great about it is, number one, it takes place in present time. It's 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 authentic and real as it can be in a world of flashover substance, right? Everything is demigods and superheroes and witchcraft and occultism and vampires and anything but reality. Right. And all it's done is, yeah, all it's done is it's disconnected kids from reality. It's made them feel that they're not good enough which I just, just breaks my heart because I think all children are amazing. All children are born creative. All children are born talented and with their own gifts. And so that's really what we're trying to nurture. And so as they're reading it, they're learning about history, geography, art, architecture, and culture. The entire series is based on family, friendship, loyalty, courage, faith, and hope. And it hits the four C's, creativity, critical thinking, communication, and collaboration in every single book. And we are not only engaging in the nation, we are gauging worldwide. We're selling books across the world, shipped books to Brazil, Spain, Poland, um, New Zealand. Uh, we have a we have a bookstore that's that's uh, loving the, the the book series in um, in uh, New Zealand. Sorry, New Zealand and Australia, and uh, and so yeah. So and then we were in the works of the first of seven major motion pictures. Awesome. And uh, we'll be going into pre-production in spring of next year if all goes well. 
and then hopefully in, in production in England in um, uh, October or November of next year, hopefully launching the first of seven Britfield movies, November 2025. And we, we can dig into that if we have time, but I, I really honestly believe it'll be one of the highest grossing, most wow. successful films in cinematic history. It's it's gonna knock Hollywood on, on. Its, on its behind. I got yeah, a quick question for you, Chad. Yeah. How, how much do you pull on the string of supernatural things in your books? Um, because we, we see that these kids are reading things like Harry Potter, and you were talking about how kids don't feel good enough. And they're all drawn. Marvel tried to captivate the audience with all these superpowers yeah. and things like that. And I, I've, I've said to my son when he was younger, wanting to read these series of books, you know, son, there is things such as wands. Uh, Moses had one, and it was called a staff. This power is real, so much so that these counter counterfeit magicians had their own snakes, but it was Moses' snake who ate their wand. So I, I would tell him this is real. So just, just so you know, son, this stuff is real. That's why I didn't let him read the books, but I did. We watched the movies. We prayed in our house, in our living room, and we, we said we're watching it one time, and then we're going to talk about it and how, how some stuff is wrong. And we, we watched the show once, the movies once, and then we're like, man, this is dark, man. This is, this is, and he was able to see it. So what are your, what are your thoughts on your books? Are they having uh, uh, any supernatural? No, 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 I don't go anywhere there, um, and I don't need to. And to me, it's the hardest type of writing because mm -hmm. there is authentic and real, and I'm doing research all the time. And so it's like, you know, distances from one place to the other, you know, what, how dark does it get at 5 p.m. during October? You know, mm -hmm. uh, what's, the, what's the temperatures in Vienna? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, what, you know, all these things, and it's, and it's all in there, and it's not flooded with detail. It's just authentic and real. And I think in many ways, I tend to write myself into corners because I get them into a situation and I have to get them out of it. I can't wave a wand. Right. I can't say a magic spell. I, they can't just suddenly like walk through a wall or fly out of there. Um, and so I think it's great. I think that's why it's connecting with, with children and parents and teachers worldwide, because it's just a real book series that they can take things from, they can learn from, and it's exciting. It's a high, fast, octane, you know, James Bond meets the Bourne Identity meets Narnia, nice. you know, series, and it's just cool. So I, have, I, I, don't, I don't touch on any of that, you know what I mean? Chad, I, I, I wanted to ask a question on this, because I, I'm seeing some parallels. You say, you say it's written in the modern era, uh, you know, and... And so I'm seeing it, it takes place in an oppressive orphanage and they're, they're wanting to escape this. And I'm seeing the parallels with what, especially you said 2019. So we're, you know, right prior to COVID-19 that, that you really started getting into this. And so I, I'm seeing these kids who want to escape the oppression. They're going on an adventure. They're being pursued by a, a police officer. I don't know if he's if he's good or bad in this. Uh, if he's a redeemable character, I, I'd like to. I'm not giving you, anything away. You're not going <laughs> to give it away. Okay, and I, I'm I'm definitely going to read this or anything. But but were you kind of paralleling what was going on in our in our culture at the time? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's very interesting, and I know you guys cover a lot of the news and behind the scenes of things. And and really, I I woke up maybe 12 years ago, and it's been this kind of slow burn. And I like to say I've been relearning history. It's basically, almost everything we believe or thought is really just a lie or a fabrication and stuff. And so with with that knowledge, I wasn't trying to to bring it into the series, but it fit beautifully. And in fact, book two. Uh, Britfield and the Rise of the Lion, which takes place in France. It's now six months later. They're 13 years old, 474 pages, a lot more intense. I've always said it's kind of my Empire Strikes Back to Star Wars. And 
I bring in a lot of this stuff, like the committee and behind the scenes and certain secret societies and groups, because there's this thing of called the Britfields, the real royal dynasty that was supposed to inherit the British crown, and it, they've been usurpered over centuries and stuff, and there's a connection with Tom and stuff. So it fit beautifully. And I remember when the book came out two years ago, people were reading it, and they said, what are you, prophetic? Because it was just hitting on everything that was happening right now. And it was written five years prior to that, but part of it was because you know, I've, I've pulled the curtain myself too, and I've read I've read the documents. You know what I mean? I know what's going on. I know their plans. I know what they're working on. I mean, you know, D-wave computers and and uh, transhumanism and um, digital currency, one world government, the whole thing. And it's in the book series, which is kind of cool. And it threads through it. You know, and it's not it's not this post-apocalyptic type of thing. It's not a heavy theme in it, but it's threaded through. And I've had some 12, 13 year olds that have read it, and they love that. They like they catch it right away about these. You know who's really in control of the government, who pulls the trigger, and all of it, and it's um, and it's all in there, and it's very very cool, and um, I'm having a lot of fun with book four now in Eastern Europe, and uh, their plan, you know, the the enemy's plan is to I introduce this digital currency and one world currency, and <laughs> wow. there's a group that's straight out of the headlines. Berlin. Yeah, I mean literally, and it's like it's gonna it's funny too because it'll come out next year and people again will just go like whoa, you know, and I'm not trying to do that. Um, it's just you know they're. As you well know, they're they're 25, 50, 100 years ahead of technology. They've already they already have it. If they can think it, they've already oh, made yeah. it. Absolutely. And and, it, and it's slowly released to the public and and stuff like that. And so reading their documents, it's like you know I can I can put the stuff in there, and then like 10 years from now, people are reading these books, going, oh my gosh, it's happening right now. Right. So Yeah, I think I might have figured out uh, the storyline. I'm not sure. You said something that gave me a clue. I I don't know if I want to ruin it for the audience or not, but uh, I'm I'm assuming this individual is is been trapped in this orphanage intentionally that is his prison and uh and that he might be the true king here uh and that's why they're kind of keeping him uh, at bay in that in that uh, orphanage there it's it's very cool yeah it's it's fun it's just it's like i said it's just a it's a fun fast-paced family adventure but it's got layers and layers and layers and just as they get out of the orphanage i'll give that much away and they they commandeered this hot air balloon, and that's when we introduced Detective Gowerstone, and he's like this renowned detective, you know, comes from Christ, I mean, comes from Eton and Christchurch, you know, elite schools and stuff, but has chosen to be a detective, and and he's like renowned for runaway orphans and and lost children, and you're kind of wondering why, what is his obsession with all of this, and um and then and then little by little, like before Tom leaves, he gets this clue that his family might still be alive, and this one word, Britfield, and they start to thread along and then they crash land in um, uh, Oxford, you know, because they run out of propane. And uh, and they're kind of trapped because Gowerstone already knows that they're going to be there and there's cops, you know, everywhere. Plus there's plain-dressed plain cops, which kind of throws them. And um, and they get sort of trapped at the train station because they're just trying to get to London, you know what I mean? They just want to escape and live a normal life. And then uh, they're surrounded and they kind of bump into this Professor Hainsworth, this old stuffy professor that's been teaching at Oxford for four years. And, um, and it's just a really wonderful friendship that blossoms there. And it's very interesting, too, because I've, I've um, spoken to thousands and thousands of children worldwide, believe it or not. And, you know, who's your favorite character? And it kind of it's all over the place. And some of them like, go, oh, I love Ainsworth. <laughs> He's my favorite character. Often the girls are like Sarah and the young guys are like Tom and stuff. But I think it's very cool that so many love Hainsworth and he is a he is a very cool character and stuff. And then there's that royal mystery. And so that's another layer. And they crash land at Windsor. And just when you think everything's turning around and it's fantastic. And they go from Weatherly Orphanage, this horrible, oppressive place to 
he's spending the night at Windsor Castle because Hainsworth knows the superintendent there who was a, a pupil at Oxford. Um, things start to take a huge twist and you're like, uh-oh. And so, and the Windsor dynasty and how they were involved and it's it's very cool. Got a question for you. We see in, in the archetypes of classic novels or even movies, you see it all throughout Hollywood. I'm just use Star Wars as an example. One of the classic archetypes you have uh, Luke Skywalker, who finds out his father is actually somebody evil, very reminiscent of like the Luciferian story. Did 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 God really say? Did God really say? Sowing distrust in our fathers, you know, Han Solo ends up being killed by his own son Kylo Ren in the latest series, and also Emperor Pal- Palpatine, who is always the highest guy in the whole entire lore. We find out there's this guy called Supreme Leader Snoke, and then we find out he's not even at the top. So it's just like we're all we're all really just finding out with the world there is no real sense of who's in charge but when you read the line the witch in the wardrobe you see dude we can trust aslan and he is not a tame lion so we see that the difference between see the distrust of hollywood they never really let you have a, a, a leader you can trust or somebody who's accountable at the top does your stories have that that missing ingredient of trust you can write trust into a story is is it there for kids to have tangibly yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great analogy. It's funny. First, first and foremost, I was hugely influenced by Star Wars. You know, I was I, when, it, when it came out in 1977, I saw it 13 times. It's, o- it's always stuck with me. And I think in so many ways, Britfield is, is the new Star Wars. And it's funny because you sit there and say, what does Britfield have to do with Star Wars? And it's like nothing, you know, but on the other side of it, absolutely everything. It's the hero's journey. It's an adventure. It's triumph over tragedy. It's the David and Goliath story. It's adventure. It's action. It's humor. It's great characters. It's every it's all those elements that make a great story. And I do. I've got some really great uh, characters that step up that are the truth and that will that take literally take a bullet um, to save the to the British throne. Um, and yet there are some deceptions behind it. It's funny too, because it's like, just when you think you know who the evil force, you introduce the committee and then there's some, there's someone over the committee and then there's something over that, someone that's over the committee, right? And, and you find out more about that in, um, actually it's the black nobility that I bring in, in in book three, you have to, because of Italy and Venice. Yeah, no holds barred, right? I mean, a lot of the stuff comes in there and then the Egyptian, Egyptian priesthood I introduce into book four which is just another layer that's over that that dark layer. And so, you know. It sounds like uh, even though this is a work of fiction, you, you've got a lot of historical yeah. facts that you've introduced into this that a lot of people are completely unaware of. Uh, you know, most people are historians. And so uh, yeah. to be able to read through this, and I, I love books like this, uh, in particular, you know, fiction books that, that have a lot of history in it, actual history. Uh, they fascinate me and probably because I got my degree in history, but, but I, I, I'm, I, I got to, I'm going to order this book and, or these books, and I'm going to read them with my kids. I can't wait for that. Oh, yeah. It's cool. I just did an interview with um, uh, a woman uh, in Georgia uh, through the Stu Peter show. Um, was it Guns, Jesus, and Bible or something like that? I forgot. <laughs> we just did an interview. But it's really cool. Like, she loved the book series because I, I interviewed with her back in uh, August. And um, and so she just ordered book two and three. But she's she's reading book one right now with her um, six-year-old. And I just thought, oh, I love that. You know, and I hear stories that... That, uh, you know, even even the young ones that are too young to read it, the parents will read it with them and stuff. And we've seen that kind of action with the Britfield books and the Britfield movement right now, which is very cool. 
um, where parents are literally like getting around and like reading the books with their kids or the kids just love it so much. They're like, I've got to read this. And then we got to talk about it and stuff. So it's having all these sort of parallels and unintentional things that are happening. That's very exciting. Exciting. Yeah. We were talking a little bit off camera and we were, we were saying that there's a movement right now uh, where the Christians have, have had it up to here as my co-host loves to stay is that it's the Popeye mentality. Yeah. Right? I can't, I can't stands. stands no more. Yeah, I mean, he, but we've, we've had this mentality and, and, and the free market has answered. And, and, and I, I believe that you're part of this, right? That there is a market for Christians who want pure novels and movies. And, and uh, I'd like for your observations on that. Yeah, I think we're at an interesting uh, turning point in time, and I think it's an ex it's an exciting time to to be alive. And you probably have, have heard that, and probably have seen that, and probably think that. And a lot of things have changed, especially in 2016. And then uh, in 2020, I think I think a lot of the curtain was pulled. And right now, I think we live in a time where um, we've never lived in a time where more people are, are alert and awake and questioning the narrative, questioning the school system, questioning their doctors, questioning just just pretty much everything, which is exciting. I think it's a tipping point. I think a reckoning is coming for those that have been behind the scenes. Period. Um, I don't think it's time to be living in, in fear at all. Thank you, That's Jesus. what the enemy wants. Um, and, and to me, who should be living in fear are those that we're coming after. Um, anyone, anyone that's harmed a child, anyone that has done anything, um, not only in the last three years, but in the last decades, um, are, are, are living on borrowed time right now. And I mean that there's let's, a reckoning coming. Let's hit that for a second, so, because you can't necessarily yeah. write into your stories what you probably know as far as what really gravitationally pushes the world market is child sex trafficking, the amount of money we found out from uh, just the reality of the Sound of Freedom movie exploding. These are things that Caleb and I already had been reporting on, Pizzagate, uh, the Epstein uh, you know, exposure. We also know the Podesta family and then everything as far as the FBI uncovered and then through, through the media, it never really got, never, you never got resolved. Um, what is your heart on that? Obviously you can't write that kind of stuff in your books, but you're exposing them to things like the Egyptian stuff going on. That's Gnosticism. And then you're exposing them to the, to the black, you know, committee. You know what I mean? The, Obviously, the two are Black nobility, the yeah. committee, yeah. Um, 13 bloodlines. I go all the way back in book two. It's really cool because they meet this um, character in, in book one at Oxford. Oliver, he's a student, sophomore. And it's just a brief character, brief moment that they meet. It's, but it's, yeah, I love the character, and I brought him back in two. And so he plays a major role. And then they're, they're in France. They, they're they're uh, being chased by an assassin all the way up the Eiffel Tower. And they're kind of cornered. And all of a sudden, they see Oliver there with his girlfriend during the summer in something like, Oliver, you know what I mean? And, and then you find out, I don't want to give anything away, but there's an amazing connection with Oliver and um, and then his uncle. And his uncle's kind of been into all this stuff. And so they escape from Paris and they go visit the uncle and the uncle like has all this information. So it's really cool. It's, it's all a natural way of bringing it in. Um, and again, too, it's not flooded with it and it's not drowned out in it. It's just it's, it makes it really fascinating. And so it's it's a thread that runs through it. And I'm planting seeds with kids and I'm opening up their eyes to really what's going on behind the scenes and stuff. Meanwhile, you know, providing a fast paced action adventure and, you know, geography, history, art, architecture and culture. And I, I myself, too, was a historian um, or history major. And, and I love history. History is fascinating. I was thinking about it today and it's like. And it's funny, too, because you'll read these books and something, and some, sometimes you'll sit there and say, really? Um, although I never stretch stretch it that far, but I'm like, I'm like, then you don't know history, right? I mean, like, the, the, you wouldn't even believe history, some of the stories in history. I was thinking about Mary, Queen of Scots, and if you're familiar with her whole backstory, 
I mean, and I've read, read her biography and, and studied her quite a bit. I mean, Stuart, there's a connection there because my last name's Stuart, but um, you wouldn't believe the stories. And, and, and it's true, but I'm just saying it's unbelievable what happened. You know what I mean? And you can relate to that in history, you know, so. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, history is fascinating. And, and uh, you know, I mean, not to sound cliche, but, you know, that, that old expression of those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And, and mm-hmm. we've, we've taken this mindset almost uh, that, that we are the most evolved, if you will. Uh, you know, culturally, we are the smartest. We have the most technology. And the reality is, is, is there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible tells us that. No, and and no. so a lot of these cultures, we, we think them so backward. In reality, they, they had technology that was superior to some of the things that we're experiencing nowadays. I agree. I agree. And I think, too, that like um, and yet nothing's really changed with humanity, per se, meaning I've, and I've had this theory for decades, but we could go back all three of us right now could go back to Rome, call it 50 A.D. And, and just, you know, and we'd be dressed a little bit differently. You know what I mean? And we'd be walking down the street with a couple of Romans and we'd be talking about what politics, family, vacation. We go to their house, have a really nice meal, sleep in a comfortable bed, maybe go see entertainment. They've got a, a, a theater show going on. And uh, and then we'd be talking about the vacation that they're taking you know in, in the mediterranean or over the over here and i mean really it's 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 people all the are same. people people are people and and their and their concerns about their children and growing up and getting the proper job or working for this estate or whatever it is or maybe going to, to school and getting some form of education or or working on the farm i mean all the same people are people like you said nothing's changed i mean yes but, you know, I mean, I'm in San Diego, so if I wanted to go visit you guys, I mean, I could just fly up there, right? I'm not going to take a stagecoach or, or, God forbid, take a horse. You know what I mean? And like, I'll see you guys in three weeks. You know what I mean? I mean, that's changed. And the fact that I can pick up the phone right now and call somebody in China or Japan, um, you know, those those aspects. But but really, what's, what has it done? And I think, I think so much of, of life, the quality of life has been taken. Absolutely. Um, to say the least. And, and we know that, too, with like, with... Um, with everything, with media and and the, and the obsession with these phones and and uh, and all of it. So um, I think we've actually been decreasing. And I mean, we're the most uneducated, ignorant generation in society and history. I, I believe that. On the other side of that, I think we're the most awakened. And uh, and my investment with the Ridfield books, with our movement, with everything we're doing, is in the next generation of children. And so our beachhead has always been elementary and middle schools. It will remain that, and it's to plant these seeds and you know just bring hope and ideas and creativity to children. So I really respect that you're not really connected to any big big names like Walden Media or even Zondervan and the Christian media circles because they've even been infiltrated. I just want to say I really respect you, and I and I see in your future this is going to continue to explode. But I recently saw that Frank Baum, the author of the, the, the Wizard of Oz, he actually was a poultry farmer for a very long time. And he said, no, enough no. is enough. I'm done with this. He started a theater company. The theater company burnt down. So it's like, how, how much toughness and resolve do we have before that big break moment happens? And the cool thing is, is Frank Baum didn't have Jesus on his side, but you do. And I believe in what you're doing. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, we're excited. And we're excited about the movie. And then... Um, Last year, it was interesting, about 18 months ago, we took Britfield and Lost Crown, uh, 384 pages, transitioned it into a theatrical place specifically for middle schools and even high schools, and turned the 384 pages into a 90-minute two-act play. We piloted it at Mission Viejo Christian School last year over October, over four nights, to great success. And again, it's just another element of hitting 
the theater and bringing, bringing family values and bringing creativity back to the theater because it's saturated with musicals, saturated again with witchcraft, whether it's um, Frozen, which is witchcraft, yes. or Aladdin, which is witchcraft, um, or musicals, which alienates 90% of kids that just want to go out for theater and, and have a great experience. And so suddenly Britfield Lost Crown play, that's an actor's play, based in current time, based in England, speaking roles for over 30 children, um, and it's amazing. And, it's, and it was an incredible production. We have 28 sound effects, 50, 53 digital slides. Wow. So as they're traveling all over, you can be projecting that on the back How screens cool. or even television sets. And uh, we use the whole theater. So it's like, you know, it's the main scene is like ending. Uh, light on the right side comes, comes up in the scene, another small scene continues, and then that goes down, and then the main scene, and, and then we're, we're using the aisles, so there's scenes where like Tom and Sarah are walking up towards somewhere, and they're talking, but the fourth wall's never broken, and you're like, you're like in it. And then yeah. when you're in London, yeah. you see like kids kind of walking all over in the aisles as they're headed towards like a class. It's a or, real experience. Or, it is. Yeah. It's just. It's, how do people get a hold so, of you? Because we're literally right now. Okay. Tell us about Sorry. your website. Tell us about how people can get a hold of this this actual production play. Tell us about your website and how to contact you. Yeah, it's a great website, award-winning website. Um, that's the best way to contact me. You can our stores there, and and I'm still signing books. So if you're interested in getting signed copies of the Britfield books, I'd go. I'd order from that. Um, I'm going to get too busy to sign, but I do. I do enjoy signing them. Um, and we have the we have the, the play. If you're a school, if you're a homeschool group, you want to put on something phenomenal, uh, you can download. It's turnkey. You can download the whole thing there, and then uh, it's cool. It's got over 400 pictures of England. It's got interactive maps over 100 pages of information. Yeah. It's designed to complement the book. Uh, we have an 83-page study guide. Britfield Lost Crown is designed to be taught in the classroom. Wow. And we're already in thousands of schools across the nation. And that is Britfield.com, correct, sir? Correct, yeah. Britfield.com. Okay. If you have one second, you go to the top um, and you go to uh, tour. Click on tour. All right, we'll get on over there. Tour, there we go. Oh, there we go. And then go down a little bit. This is This is our tour. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So schools. we got the whole tour of all the different schools. Uh, that's that phenomenal. And, and yeah, you've been to Spokane as well. So unfortunately uh, yeah. we, we've run out of time here, but okay. I, I want to just say, I, I really appreciate you, sir. I, I can't wait to read these books. I will definitely be ordering these and, and enjoying it with my children. Well, thank you for having me on. Great questions, and I uh, really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Thank you again. Church and State is sponsored in part by Patriot Church and the Constitution Party. I'm Gabe Blomgren. A calm does not suit me. I'm Caleb Collier. I was born for a storm. Welcome to the fire.